Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Did you know 50% of you who listen to My Millennial Money listen within the first week of an episode going live? So if you're one of the 50% of people listening to this as it goes live, it is NADOC Week. NADOC Week celebrations are held across Australia in the first week of July each year to celebrate and recognise the history, culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. NADOC Week is an opportunity for all Australians to learn about First Nations cultures and histories and participate in celebrations of the oldest continuous living cultures on earth. You can support and get to know your local Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander communities through activities and events held across the country. I'm reading from the nadocweek.org.au website. So in line with NADOC Week and learning more, I wanted to chat with the First Nations Foundation. We support them on the podcast. And today I'm chatting with Larisha Jerome. Larisha is a community development and project officer and is involved in the Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness Strategy within the foundation. I wanted to also chat with Larisha about her story because we can all learn from each other. Last year, TAL and TAL are our show partner, that's T-A-L, they launched their Reconciliation Action Plan or RAP, R-A-P. In delivering on their RAP, TAL is on a journey towards improved insurance financial literacy across Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and subsequently an environment on economic inclusivity and prosperity. TAL is committed to improving the support they can offer to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander customers with the aim to ultimately contribute towards helping them create a life filled with greater options, choices and freedoms. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about TAL's Reconciliation Action Plan. My name's Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Larisha, Thanks so much for joining us on My Millennial Money today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you've been with First Nations Foundation for a little while now. How long have you been with the foundation? Yeah, so I've been with the foundation uh, for just under two years now. Yeah, awesome. So a lot of people know, you know, First Nations Foundation, they are a charity that we promote and support on My Millennial Money with... um, you know, promotion on our website and also financially. And I actually saw Larisha on an Instagram post through First Nations Foundation talking about some cool stuff that she's doing as part of her role in the foundation. And I reached out and thought, well, let's have a chat because I just thought it was a a cool story and, you know, we support the foundation. But before we kind of talk about all that stuff, I always like to hear stories of people and their money journey and just basically open up the microphone and have a chat. So if we started at the beginning, Larisha, where where were you born? Uh, what was your childhood like? Tell us a bit about you. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before I begin, um, I'd just like to firstly acknowledge um, the traditional custodians of the land that I'm on today. I'm based here in North Mianjin, aka Brisbane, um, on Kabi Kabi country. We are the traditional and only custodians of country across Australia. Um, I acknowledge the continuing connection to the land, waters, skies and communities. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples continue to maintain our wisdom and rich culture, the oldest continuous culture on the planet, you know, despite having experienced genocide, dispossession and colonisation. I pay my respects to our elders past and present um, and to any other non-Indigenous people that are listening today. So yeah, just a little bit about myself. You know, I grew up I'm a proud um, Jadawa, Waka Waka and Willy Willy woman um, from southeast Queensland um, and I grew up in Western Sydney down on Dari country and, you know, just growing up, I think, um, you know, I grew up in a single mother household living in housing commission and, you know, that lack mindset was kind of, you know, ingrained within our family. Um, you know, money was never spoken about whatsoever, that financial literacy and financial wellness um, was definitely non-existent within my family. You know, as soon as I could, I literally worked since I was, you know, the age of 14. And ever since then, I've been through, you know, numerous roles, whether that be in banking, um, you know, debt collection, financial hardship. Um, and then my previous role um, to being here at the foundation, I actually worked with Women's Legal Service in the financial abuse prevention unit so that's around you know domestic and family violence so just at the peak of you know when COVID first began so yeah it was a very heavy time definitely and now I'm just really grateful that you know within this project um, the Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness one I can literally bring all of that information all of those resources and tools all into the one project and making that you know accessible for Indigenous women all across the country. You talked about a lack mindset growing up and a lot of our listeners love talking about mindset and people's story around a transition from, you know, that type of mindset to any other type of mindset. What was that transition like for you and did it start to happen when you started to earn your own money and what was your first job? Yeah, so my first job was actually, I did a school-based traineeship. So with Commonwealth Bank, so I was very lucky to go straight into that, you know, working. I was like one of the only ones that actually did the school-based traineeships as well at school. So I was, you know, making that money and I was like, you know what, I want to save and, you know, I have these goals and ambitions. Um, so yeah, just, you know, not wanting to have the life where I'm, you know, living paycheck to paycheck because, you know, I watched my mother struggle and I just knew that I wanted the complete opposite to that growing up. So I think it was so important for me, you know, through my own lived experiences as well. Um, you know, I ended up being homeless at the age of 17 and I was living in residential care out in Western Sydney. And, you know, it was never ever my, you know, thought that I could own my own home. And then I ended up buying my first home at the age of 21. So it's just like, how can we empower, you know, other Indigenous kids as well that, you know, think that, you know, there's so many barriers for us to reach these goals. But if I can do it, then anybody else can as well. Mm. 
So being homeless at 17, that's like so savage, isn't it? And you're not the only person who's experienced that. Like, how do you reconcile that as a 17-year-old? I don't know. Like, you just, yeah, it's it's hard to explain, especially because, you know, back then um, you could only just see what was happening then and there. You had no, like, hope for your future really, but it's just like showing up every day, you know, making those goals. I remember I think I was in, yeah, the residential care where I was living at the time. Um, you know, I was very lucky that I was surrounded by, you know, other kids that were going through the exact same thing, but then they had their own goals as well. So we really, you know, it was so great within that home. There was about five of us that lived in that home and then we did um, like our budgets together and then we all cooked dinner for each other one night of the week and then we had, you know, our chores split up. So it was kind of ingrained with us within there and we were just supporting each other through that journey as well. And I just remember, you know, if I want to live in my own little apartment, then I had to work hard. So that's what I did. I got a job. Um, I was working in health at the time. And then, yeah, I ended up saving up and then I moved into my first little apartment. It was like a studio apartment. It was the tiniest thing ever. But yeah, I was so proud to move in and like all of my furniture was all secondhand from salvos. I slept on a mattress on the ground for so long, (laughs) but I was like, you know what? This is my I made it moment. (laughs) But yeah, I guess all of the experiences really lead to where I'm at today. And I wouldn't, you know, take away from any of that either. And what was it like um, moving to that traineeship with Commonwealth Bank? I mean, you've pretty much went from, you know, straight from school into that early. So am I correct in saying you didn't do your year 12 uh, HSC. I didn't do my own. I left school at 16, so I kind of like... No, yeah. no, I graduated, yeah. So my yeah, school-based cool. traineeship was in grade 11 and 12. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so during, um, you know, the HSC. So that was actually counted towards my HSC, which was very lucky. And then, yeah, I went on to business school, um, mm. you know, doing my diploma in business and diploma in business administration. But, yeah. Yeah, that's... That, yeah, okay. I'm old now because when I was at school, <laughs> I because I left, it's so fascinating. Like just as looking back at the schooling system as an autopsy, like yeah. if I could have done what you did in year 11 and 12, I would have stayed in school. Mm. But for me, just this, you know, school, you know, learn this, remember it and regurgitate it for a test. Like it just wasn't my learning technique. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I was just really grateful and really lucky. And then yeah, I went to business school for the year because I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to stay in banking. And so I just wanted to explore. And then I actually moved on to working in health. So I worked, I was a secretary of the emergency department um, and worked in intensive care at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital um, down in Sydney. So that was, you know, a great experience. But after that, I was like, no, I definitely want to stay to finance. definitely want to stay um, within that area. So it's just kind of organically along all of my roles. I've just always fallen into the finance area. And where did you buy your first home at? Yes, yeah, so I bought my first home um, here in Queensland. So I moved up here four years, four to five years ago and yeah, bought my first home. May I ask how old you are? Um, so I'm 26. Yeah, um, cool. So I've been a homeowner for five years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, love it. So, so people say like, oh, you can't buy your first home, blah, blah, blah. 
Like, what was your experience like? Because I talk to people all the time who are in the mid-20s who have actually sacrificed and saved and purchased their first home. Like, did you have to sacrifice much in terms of your savings and prioritizing budget? Like, what was the experience like for you? Yeah, definitely just prioritizing, you know, what your needs versus what your wants are. I think um, I let a lot um, you know, when you first get into a job, you know, you think, oh, I need to have the latest this, the latest that, the newest car and all of that stuff. And I definitely went through that period where, you know, I was so materialistic and I just wanted the best of everything because, you know, during my whole childhood, I didn't have, you know, the best of everything. And that's exactly what I wanted. And then now, you know, reflecting back, it's like, no, you really don't need anything materialistic or anything like that. So now I'm more so, you know, what can I do to live? a sustainable life. So I think all of those sacrifices definitely, you know, got me to where I am now, still owning my home. And what took you to Brisbane initially? Was it a career? Was it a love interest? Was it there's cheap property up there? Like... Yeah, well, I'm actually, I was actually born here in Brisbane. Um, and you know, all my mobs from up here, my family live up here. But then, yeah, I just grew up down in Sydney with my mom and my younger siblings. But yeah, I definitely always wanted to come home. That yeah. was my goal. Everyone in high school knows that I was the one that was like, yes, I'm going to move back to Queensland as soon as I finish school. So I was like, yep, that's where yeah. I'm going to buy my home. And it's just, you know, that that home feeling, you know, mm. I've cultivated such a safe and sacred space here within my home. And I think that's what a lot of people just, you know, lose sight of, um, you know, having that lack of, you know, stability growing up. That's all that I ever wanted, you know, as an adult now. That's why I think it's so important for, you know, if you do have the opportunity to buy your own home, you really do that just so that you can cultivate that safe and sacred space just for yourself. And, you know, when you have family and that can, you know, really have that impact on that generational wealth. Yeah, it's it's this mind game that a lot of us go through. It's like, oh, do I just rent somewhere or do I buy, but it's more expensive to buy and or, or whatever. But I just think where you live, it is such a personal and lifestyle choice. And I've shared before, like, my personality was I need to put my roots down and I, I just need that stability, particularly when I was starting a business. And, you know, I've grown and changed and now I'm kind of renting temporarily because I've just moved to Newcastle. Uh, but the longer term thing is for me to buy again because I need that connection. I need my home. It's my safe space. It's my refuge. It's all this like, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, it's a weird feeling. And a lot of people don't get that. They're like, yeah, whatever. Like we've all met people that just travel and have, you know, travel around the world and just nomad type thing. I just yeah, can't exactly. do that. Yeah. yeah, I'm the exact same, like me, because I've just got my animals. I'm like, as long as me and my animals are fine, that's all that I care about. So, yeah, yeah just having this space has just been so important to me. And I think that's why, you know, I just continue to keep on doing what I, what I need to do and also empowering other women to be able to do the exact same thing. Mm. How did you find uh, corporate life? Because it's so different to what you're doing now. Like, what was it like for you in corporate land? Yeah, well, definitely just the culture of how it all is. Like, I'm a very 
chill, relaxed type of person. And I love to be, you know, in my own little world and whatever, and just have that autonomy to be able to, you know, basically do what I want within the role and just make the role mine. So I think the corporate world, it's all great and all, and, you know, it's suited for a lot of people, but it's definitely not suited for me. I think working at the foundation, it's really, you know, opened my eyes to be able to work alongside, you know, such amazing people that are here for the right reasons, that are doing the work and, you know, just seeing the impact is what inspires me every single day. And just having that, you know, that personal connection to all the communities that we get to go out, like we have the best job, you know, going out to Indigenous communities and being able to bring that financial literacy education out there and, you know, just having that, you know, that ease in for a lot of the communities that aren't connected with the financial services and providers. So we've liked to link in with those, you know, providers and services to, you know, close that type of gap towards that, if you know what I mean. So it's just, yeah, we're just in such a good um, position to be able to do so. And just seeing the impact is just amazing. It's like, you can just go out and just talk about money, you know, and there'll be people that have never, ever spoken about money before. And that's the first conversation or people that, you know, don't even have a savings account. Um, So just that first point of contact and just, you know, those little things that a lot of us lose sight of. And, you know, that can be so much and more significant for a lot of people that are out on the grounds. So you're a bit of a money nerd, like you like money, you're in um, the financial world and now you're in First Nations <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> what, like, what's your view of like your own personal finances? Are you a spender? Are you a saver? Yeah. So for me, um, I think the difference between, you know, the work that we do, especially through the Women's Project, um, you know, we do it through a cultural and more of a holistic lens. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people talk about, you know, money this, money that, which is fair and all of that, which is fine. But it's like mentally, you know, we all want you know, to have that mindset that we're abundant, capable and educated, you know, spiritually, we want to be at ease and have that financial contentment. And then physically, we all want that financial freedom. So I think it's just embedding the spirituality of what our culture is into the money world. I think that's something that I'm really passionate about because, you know, culturally, that's always going to be embedded in me is my culture and my spirituality. So how can we, you know, bring it in a money sense as well out in the ground and out in community and just kind of, you know, that different lens into money around that mindset, you know, the money shame and all of that stuff as well. And just bringing that all into the one type of conversation. Mm. Like to take that one step further in your own life, if you do have a a money decision that you need to make, it's it's not just this head thing. It's like, it's almost a feeling and spiritual that I need to vibe it out or mm-hmm. want of a better word. Like, is that, am I going down the right path with how you view money and teach yeah, and whatnot? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, just for me, it's all about, you know, just having that financial contentment. I feel like, you know, it's one thing to have a financial goal, but then it's an, another thing for how you actually feel about money. What is your relationship with money? You know, for a lot of our mob, um, you know, we've had that, you know, that really big gap between, you know, there was a stolen generation, the stolen wages, and it's like superannuation. A lot of people think, you know, it's basically the same as, you know, stolen wages, you know, it's money that you cannot 
access. It's money that you cannot take. So it's about how can we educate our mob to, you know, have better um, decisions when it comes to money. So for me, you know, it's all about like I've got, I don't have everything together. Of course, we never really do, but I'm just very strict. And I also allow myself to have, you know, a luxury budget. You know, I'm just more realistic with my budget and, you know, I'm ensuring that, you know, I'm working hard. I'm paying my bills, you know, I'm saving and I'm also living a comfortable and relaxed life because I feel like it's just, it's so much easier when you have that healthy work-life balance. And, you know, I'm grateful that through all of the lived experiences that I've had, it's just, you know, I'm at that perfect balance now where I can, you know, work hard, but also enjoy the self-care part of it as well. Yeah, it's, I like what you said there, like you talked about contentment and I've been like me personally and with the community that, you know, I help lead with my millennial money because everyone's like, oh, what's your current goal? What's your financial goal? And everything's striving and Mm -hmm. trying to get, but like, I wonder what if we made contentment the goal and that just removes all money, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Just contentment, being at peace, you know, having that contentment that, you know, you've got an emergency budget in case you've got emergency that comes up, you know, you've got another bucket where you've just, you know, if something comes up, if a family member needs help, you've got that bucket there as well. But then you've also got that luxury budget where you can go out, you can have that financial self-care, you know, health is wealth for me. So I spend a lot of money, like I don't go out clubbing or drinking or anything like that. So my money is really towards, you know, health and wealth. And it's around, you know, like Pilates, I'll get like really good food and all of that stuff. So it's just like, how can you have a better quality of life whilst not sacrificing the things that you love. Yeah, could not have said it better. Okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness Initiative that Larisha is part of and is heading up as part of the First Nations Foundation. We'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, we are back. A lot of you know that First Nations Foundation are a charity that I support financially 
and I will continue to do so. Because a lot of people have said to me, um, oh, Glenn, you need to do more in the financial literacy space for Indigenous Australians. And I've personally taken the view, right or wrong, that the best that I can do is to support charities like First Nations Foundation who are actually on the ground, who are actually doing things in a cultural way and all that stuff. Am I wrong to think that, Larisha? Is that a good thing that I just outsource, you know, the money literacy stuff for Indigenous Australians to people and foundations like First Nations that actually know what the need is most? Is that a fair statement? I don't know. I'm just shooting the breeze. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of grassroots Indigenous organisations that are already out there doing the work. Um, and it's so important that, you know, as allies, as people that are living on First Nations country, it's so important to have that, you know, that self-reflection um, and, you know, just having that time to think about, you know, what are you doing to honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, you know, whether that be supporting black businesses, supporting, you know, the non-for-profit charities like First Nations Foundation and the work that we do, um, because, you know, the work is already there. It already exists. There's already people, there's already communities that are already going out there doing the work. So I think just supporting um, and, you know, listening to our stories, um, linking with those organisations and learning from, you know, the elders and the people that are out on the grounds and, you know, volunteering with them as well, um, just to, you know, have that allyship and also, you know, take that accountability and not just, you know, not just going there to just show up, but actually stay there and actually listen and prioritise and, you know, have a, you know, have your hand out there to help all of these organisations that are already doing the existing work. Yeah, that's so important because, you know, in different times, there's been different posts in the Facebook group around different types of state-based charities and a lot of them are grassroots one. I know there's one in uh, Victoria, Pay the Rent, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is just important to step back and and think, well, okay, how can I honour Indigenous Australians? How can I honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and give back? So it, it's not just this, I don't know, one charity fits all thing, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. what aligns with your own heart, um, what you can see is happening on the ground. And, and I, I guess I'm just pretty much saying this is exactly why that, I've supported First Nations Foundation because you guys actually do a lot in the financial literacy space. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are a money podcast. We are an organisation. So I'm happy to give First Nations Foundation and the work that you're doing a platform any day of the week. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And especially, you know, thinking of, you know, day-to-day things, you know, we're all consumers and we're all, you know, in the society as a collective and it's like buying from black businesses, you know, are you getting an Indigenous caterer? Do you have Indigenous dancers? Um, You know, in all different types of services all over you know there's any place online that you can look at that supporting a black business because you know we all want to become economically empowered um you know that economic independence to you know really serve our communities as well so just putting that money back into black businesses here is how you can really support us as well yeah awesome so you're heading up the 
Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness Initiative slash project. Talk to us about the work that you're doing as part of this project. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a crazy two years, that's for sure. Um, So yeah, in response to COVID-19, the Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness Strategy was created um, to really, you know, economically empower our Indigenous women and, you know, having all these tools and resources available to women all over the country. So we've got our My Money Dream program, um, which is an online financial literacy program, and that is, you know, Indigenous women uh, led. Um, So that was, you know, created by Indigenous people for Indigenous people. So it's really got that, you know, that cultural lens and really, um, you know, diving deep into, you know, firstly, how different it is for Indigenous people and how we, you know, perceive wealth and, you know, of all the past knowledge and policies that, you know, were never built to really support us. So it's like understanding the background and the history of, you know, Indigenous Australia economically. And then we go into, you know, we do a money health check, you do budgeting, saving, bill automation, all of that sort of stuff. And then we've also got, you know, a couple of extra ones where you can do where it's about like car loans, superannuation, tax, home loan and all of that stuff. So that's one part of it. So the My Money Dream training program. Another part of that is every month we'll do like a money masterclass type of series. Um, and we've got, you know, different topic online webinars that we host every month, um, which is really good. You know, we really will invite somebody in where they can share their story um, because, you know, we learn so much just by sharing these stories and especially when you've come from, you know, people that have never spoken about money or they've had that money shame or, you know, have that money lack mindset. So it's just really empowering to, you know, connect with other people. And I think just having that cultural lens and that, you know, that relatability and that culture truly safe space for our women um, is just so important. So we've got that. Um, Another thing that we do, we've got our private Facebook group, which we've nearly got 2,000 members, which is really awesome. So we've got women that will share their stories in there. We're constantly sharing our tools and resources and stuff as well. Um, we've got our Tomorrow Money website. So that's at www.tomorrowmoney.com forward slash women. So there's all types of resources, um, you know, from financial self-care, financial wellness, anything to do with money-related topics as well. So it's an online resource hub. And this is also a great um, hub for non-Indigenous people as well. So you can go on there and learn, you know, as well. So it's really great. Um, what else have we been doing? (laughs) You've been quite busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's been crazy busy. Um, but yeah, we also do like our workshops in person as well. So it's either online or in person, which is really great now that, you know, we're able to travel again. So we've done some really amazing trips this year. And then um, in honour of NAIDOC Week, we will be launching our women's podcast, which is called Rich Black Women. Um, So there you can follow stories of strength, adversity um, and resilience. So we've got, you know, a lot of Indigenous women that will be sharing their stories. And, you know, it just goes to deepen awareness about the unique economic inequities that First Nations women face. So, you know, if you want to learn more, hear more from all of our women, um, this is really great to listen as well. Awesome. Hey, if you want to send us um, any graphics or anything like that, 
Mm-hmm. Email it through and we will absolutely promote the heck out of it on Instagram and all that uh, yeah. this week. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can send you the Instagram page. Awesome. Yeah, do that. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, everyone. So if you want to go and have a listen to that new podcast, give it a subscribe, give it a like, give it a review, all the good things. Let's just get the word out because it is good work that um, I, in my mind, I say FNF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is good work that FNF are doing. Um, it is good work that First Nations Foundation are doing. And, you know, we just want to spread the word. So, if someone's listening like, oh, this sounds really cool, how can I be involved? Now, one way is to, you know, shut your mouth, give us some money. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's one way. Uh, But like, are there any other ways that people can be involved in the foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So through the My Money Dream training, you can actually become a mentor. So this is really great, um, you know, for people that want to be that leading, you know, that facilitator within the My Money Dream training. So you can actually do that. Or if you want to actually contribute like an article on our Tomorrow Money website, you can do so. And of course, you know, any volunteer opportunities ever come up, definitely reach out to the team. But yeah, that's ways that you can get or even. It. Like listen to the podcast, share it, the podcast, Instagram on socials, like social media does go a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. So yeah, share the Instagram, um, you know, really get those stories out there and amplify the First Nations voices. Yeah. And that's what kind of, you know, I want to do as part of, you know, my little corner of the ecosystem is to use this platform for good uh, with a variety of different you know, things throughout the year. And I would even say, Larisha, anytime something might come up in your world and you're like, oh, I want to jump on My Millennial Money and tell everyone about it, well, just email us and just jump on. Like, we're all chill. Yeah, thanks so much. So as you can see, there's lots going on at First Nations Foundation. And one thing that I'm a big believer in is kind of changing the trajectory or however you say that word, I can't even say it, of somebody's life. And, you know, if you donate $20 to First Nations Foundation, you do not know how far that money could go. It could change the next, you know, Larisha who was (laughs) 17-year-old's life. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we just, we can't quantify the magnification of any money that we kind of plant in good soil, right? Like it's all about you know, legacy, next generation, you know, really empowering people to be the best version that they can be and, you know, with their money and life, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it comes back to it only takes one person to make an impact. Mm. So I think, yeah, we think that we're just doing something so tiny, but that could mean something so big to anybody else. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were actually in East Arnhem Land and we did some training out there. And, you know, for us, you know, we've got our you know, our savings accounts up and whatever. But for some of these, you know, youth workers that we were helping, it was just all about they didn't have savings goals. So at that point they were like, oh, well, now I actually have savings goals. I want something to work towards. We helped them open up a savings account and it was something so little and something so tiny out of our day that, you know, can really build a foundation for their future, you know, for their family as well. And when they're embodying the 
that type of person, other people around them will want to mirror that and want to do the exact same. So I think that's what's so important that, you know, when we're empowering one person, we're actually empowering a a whole community. Mm. Do you have any stories top of mind as we finish about someone that you may have met in your travels this year who have who have had a positive impact from the work that you guys are doing? Yeah, so end of last year, I ran a five-week money masterclass and we had, you know, so many lovely women from all over join. And, you know, through that, we did like, um, you know, a money health check. We did the budgeting, spending leaks and all of that stuff. And then a couple of months later, this woman actually put everything into practice, which is really great. You know, she knuckled down for those couple of months and then she ended up moving into her first place, you know, securing a full-time job, moving out independently as well. So it's like just from that can be something changing somebody's life. So it's like, you know, the tiniest thing makes the biggest impact. And now, you know, she's able to have that financial security and that financial freedom and now she's got a job she's living out on her own you know so she's really um you know taken so much just from that master class and now her future you know will be abundant and you know she can you know teach everybody else around her as well yeah that's so awesome so there you go it's like you know we talk about all this stuff but it actually has tangible real life results right and that's yeah. why we do it mm-hmm. so and that's exactly right there like you know i could send her one of my online courses at no cost but what do i know about anything i'm just some white guy from the city <laughs> and i don't you know i wrote down like one thing that you said that i really liked was that cultural lens and mm-hmm. you know the best value that i can do is give my money and my energy to your foundation because you can do things with that cultural lens and I can just support you and scream off the rooftops. Everyone support this foundation because, yeah, it's just such a better outcome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, healing ourselves is that generational wealth. Mm. for all of us, whether we're non-Indigenous, Indigenous, that's all across the collective, you know, when we heal ourselves, which, you know, we're honouring the land that we're living on, you know, we're working in jobs that, you know, we've got a purpose, we're actually making impact, we're there for the right reasons, you know, healing ourselves will create that generational wealth for every single person across the board. Love it. Larisha. Jerome, First Nations Foundation, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money today. Thank you so much for having me. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Shipper Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.